The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to the Pokepress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. In this episode, Anne from PKD Podcast drops by to discuss some of the songs from Pokemon 25, the album. In addition to the tracks themselves, we cover the release strategy, music videos, and whether these songs would work with Secrets of the Jungle. Thanks. Hi folks, Steven here. I'm on the phone with Anne from PKD Podcast. And in our ongoing Pokemon Music Discussion series, now that we've discussed Secrets of the Jungle, the movie, um, about a week after, they decided to release Pokemon 25, the album, which may or may not be connected. We'll sort of go into that as time goes on. But in any case, Anne and I have made some song selections, and we've each picked three of the songs from there. But before we go into specific songs... Let's talk about sort of the, I guess you could say, life cycle of this album. Now, as I recall, it was announced relatively early this year, either in January or February. First of all, they were going to be collaborating with Katy Perry. And, um, you know, not long after for Pokemon Day weekend, they did that concert with Post Malone. But, Anne, what were your sort of thoughts when this project was announced earlier in 2021? Like, at the beginning, I was a little ambitious because I was, I don't know, I, I guess I didn't really realize the scope of what it could be. I was just like, oh, they're collaborating with Katy Perry. That's great. Like, I, again, I didn't really picture in my mind, like, what it could be. I just just kind of like, oh, that's a cute little gimmick. So, you know, kind of as more information dropped and as the songs themselves started dropping, that's when I really started to get excited about it. Well, I think they announced, like in the original announcement, that there was going to be some sort of album-based mm. release towards the end of the year. I forget exactly where that was, but I, I do follow current popular music a, a little bit here and there, not as much as I used to when I was younger. But I, I, I found it pretty interesting. I figured Pokemon actually would not have too much difficulty finding folks for this since they were working with Universal Music. And uh, to be honest, a lot of Folks in their mid-20s to early 30s grew up with Pokemon, so I, I think they could very easily find volunteers to do this. They might not get everyone they wanted, but you mentioned sort of the releases. Well, first there was that Post Malone concert, and uh, with with that, a couple of his songs, including a, a cover of Always Want to Be With You, originally by Hootie and the Blowfish. Actually, that's Only Want to Be With You. From uh, 1996, they sort of picked it because that was the year the games came out in Japan. And then over the course of the year, they they did more releases. They did some music videos as well. Over the summer, they released a couple EPs of a couple of the songs. And then kind of finally, uh, in October of uh, 2021, they released the album itself. And what did you sort of think of that kind of release strategy just overall? I really loved it. Like, again, starting with Katy Perry was kind of a good move because, again, that's a big name artist. And, is, and as I said, just like an interesting gimmick. But again, as the releases started pouring out over the year, along with all their other um, Pokemon 25 events and things, like excitement really started to build. And I think by September, when the Game Girl dropped by the French artist, um, Luan, that's when I really started to kind of really get into it because, like, I think a lot of other people did as well because you're, like, start to realize, like, how big of a project this is and that it's truly an international thing. We've got um, tracks in many different languages. And, yeah, I, I really liked this release project, um, uh, like, just spreading it out over the year and showcasing many different angles. Yeah, I think my expectations were maybe a little more modest. I wasn't quite as excited. There were parts I definitely liked as time went on. And I guess I should also mention, this is technically not the last release of this album. Um, if you buy the CD edition, you notice it doesn't have everything that's on the digital version of the album. 
And uh, it appears the reason for that is in February of next year, February 2022, around Pokemon Day, they're going to be releasing a vinyl version of the album. And, you know, vinyl records have less capacity than CDs, so that's... But they wanted to keep them, I guess, parallel or stuff like that, so... Um, I was also kind of maybe hoping more stuff would actually make it onto the like the Billboard charts and stuff like that, but we can kind of talk about the reception to this uh, a little bit later. One other expectation I, I wanted to throw out there is that we mentioned that the the album released about a week after uh, Secrets of the Jungle dropping on Netflix, and I was very curious to know if things, how or if things would tie in there. Now, we'll have some specific comments on specific songs, but just knowing that Secrets of the Jungle had a bunch of places for insert songs kind of makes that um, something I, that, that crossed my mind a lot. I don't know about you, Anne. Uh, did you have thoughts in that area as things were coming out? or Like about them crossing over with Secrets of the Jungle. I kind of expected, um, but we can talk about what actually happened after I heard the songs. I did expect that to happen more than it actually did. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. There are some definite parallels, but uh, as we go through the songs, I think we'll sort of cover the gamut of of things Mm -hmm. there. Speaking of which, we each did pick out three songs from the album. Let's see. I picked out Take It Home by Mabel, Got Em by Vince Staples, and Wonderful by Sin. And what did you pick out? I picked Electric by Katy Perry, um, Reconnect by Yaffle, and Believing by Little Boat. Little Boat. I have Little Yachi actually down for that one. Yeah, that's, um, well, when we get into that history of the artist, we'll get into that. Okay. But it's like credited as Little Boat on the on the track list for some reason, so. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to start with one of um, Anne's picks, which is Electric by Katy Perry. Now, we are going to give a little bit of biographical info on all these artists. Um, however, since there's you know six songs to get through, we can't go quite as in detail as we do during some of our movie discussions or game discussions, unfortunately. But And I'm sure most of the audience has at least heard of Katy Perry, but tell us a little bit about her, and then you can talk about the song. (laughs) Yeah, um, Katy Perry, that Katy Perry, um, born Catherine Elizabeth Hudson from Santa Barbara, California, very famous American pop singer, known for many, many, many hits. I I think we all know enough about her, so I'm just going to talk about the song. Yeah, this is electric, and it's just... This very beautiful pop song um, with a lot of lyrics about like going on a journey and um, getting through things together, long road, got a ways to go, and kind of chronicling like the idea that the journey is more important than the destination. Like there's no reason that the little steps along the way can't be exciting and magical and, and electric. I really love this song. I love the beat. I love the melody. I, oh, I like it so much. Yeah, the, the the lyrics and stuff and and the music. I'm not sure exactly what genre you would say this this kind of falls into. It's definitely a pop song, but I'm not sure if you're tossing it into a subgenre. What exactly you would call it? Right, because um, it's it, not it, a dance track. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call it a power ballad necessarily, but. Content-wise, it, it matches up well with a lot of songs like Making My Way Any Way That I Can and other stuff. Um, th- there are some very nice touches there, like, you know, if you if you always stay here, nothing's ever changing and, and other stuff like that. Uh, were there some particular lines that really stood out to you, Anne? Yes. Um, the, the main chorus line, of course, there's no reason that this life can't be electric was the big one. And then kind of that first verse, well, both verses really, but like that first verse where it talks about, you know, you want to be the best, but at what cost? If you're going to stay here, nothing's ever changing. Kind of that idea of like, you know, big world, got to see it all, get up even when you fall. Like, it's okay to leave your comfort zone and not be the best for five minutes so that you can learn something new. And that second verse, you know, there's a long road, it's a ways to go, but you're not alone. There's so much you'll discover. Like, I, I don't know, that stuck out to me, just again, that idea that, you know, we all want to be the very best, like no one ever was, but those journeys take time. And that's okay. And 
the steps getting there can be just as electrifying as the victory podium. Now, another thing we definitely have to mention, this song, like about, I don't know, it depends how you count, because some of them are just lyric videos and stuff like that, has an official music video that was produced that was, I mean, well, given the, the, the pandemic and whatnot, uh, they did go out to Hawaii, which I'm, I'm sure is a lot easier than maybe logistically than maybe even some Caribbean places just because of the travel restrictions and whatnot. But uh, Katie went out there and uh, and whatnot. Uh, why don't you sort of describe the content of this music video? Yeah, so it kind of opens up with a very, I don't know about jungle necessarily, but like a lot of woods and forest and plant life and then the beach and then she's by a lighthouse. And then it like flashes back to like presumably her in the past where she's like starting out playing music with, you know, Pokemon by her side and um, kind of growing up and exploring the world around her a lot of tropical like locations um a lot of um a young person kind of going on their journey to be good at something and and with pokemon by their side and exploring and discovering together with the pokemon yeah there's a lot of elements like that i forget who plays the younger version of katie in the video but of course the younger version has a pichu and the older current version has a pikachu which is obviously a nice touch uh, there's a whole lot of that there we we mentioned sort of the tropical slash jungle so i assume that wasn't an intentional choice as was the lighthouse that you see in the video which i'm sure is a reference to uh jasmine and and the ampharos thing in uh, generation two Overall, I did like the production on the video. It was pretty fun to watch and and and, and stuff. Any any other particular thoughts on this one? I don't know that I have much more to say except gushing about it, so I'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the first of my picks. This is Take It Home by Mabel. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, she has less of a history than, than Katy Perry, for sure, but she's uh, lived various places in Europe. She's typically credited as like a, a British or English singer from there, but she like was born in Spain and, and lived a few other places in there, like Sweden. Um, one of her more well-known singles before this project is called Finders Keepers. She is working on a second album or has it produced or I'm pretty exactly what state it's in currently, but as far as Take It Home, um, this is a very, I guess dance might be a good way to describe it, but there's a lot of heavy beats and drum work in it. It's Like I said, it's still very much a, a pop song um, and stuff like that. I think it seems to be catering more to not necessarily the female demographic, but sort of the showy aspects of the Pokemon franchise. Um, we'll talk about the music video in a little bit. But it definitely, you know, lights, camera, action, star of this attraction, and and stuff like that. Uh, maybe it's also trying to lean towards contests as well. Uh, and that was a bit of a jumble of thoughts, but uh, what are your kind of reactions? <laughs> My reaction is um, very much the same. Like, I really love this song. There's definitely a vibe about it that feels very in the, in the vein of the fun aspect of Pokemon, but... Like, lyrically, it's just not there. So I think, like, even saying it's about contests is almost, like, a bit of a reach. But there is something about it that does make me feel like I'm in a Pokemon world about the song. But, yeah, I'm always a little bit like there's not much in the lyrics that suggests that. So I'm I'm a little little on the fence about this one. Well, well, my reaction is that it, it seems to be something of a Jigglypuff song. And, and one of the things, I mean, there's the la-la-la mm. that she talks about, but also the up-up-up, which Jigglypuff is the balloon Pokemon. And the uh, the way that it says up-up-up uh, there is kind of reminiscent, reminds me of, like, I think it's Jigglypuff's sound uh, it makes while it's jumping in Smash Brothers. Kind of reminds right. me of that cadence and, and a little bit of that sound there. And when you get to the music video, actually, they kind of go really into that. There's a, it has a bit of a bit of an art to it. Uh, she's at a hotel. She's watching TV with. Uh, it has like what uh, Gigantamax, Pikachu, and Celebi. Another little tie there to 
uh, Secrets of the Jungle that I noticed even without having seen the movie. I knew Celebi had a, a part in it. And then most of the rest of the video does focus a lot around the singer's re- uh, sort of you know partnership with uh, with Jigglypuff. There has some also has some some dancers in uh, some interesting outfits. I'd say it's got sort of uh, somewhat of maybe a, a, an Indian and by that I mean the country vibe to it. And what were your kind of thoughts there? Yeah, I mean I definitely can see a little bit of Bollywood influence in kind of the dancing and the costuming. Um, and, and yeah, no, now that you bring up like thinking of the song as being from Jigglypuff's point of view, like that makes a lot more sense. I do love the the outfits of the dancers, like just like how they all seem to be different elements, different Pokemon types kind of inspired. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, they were all differently colored pretty much, which is obviously, you know, gives gives it more visual impact and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think lyrically this song is more from the perspective of Jigglypuff's trainer or whatever like that, if we're going in that direction. <laughs> um, Maybe. Now there are a couple like alternate versions of this song as well. There's a, a Z-H-U or Zoo, I think is how it's pronounced, remix. But actually, uh, what I found most interesting is about within a, a week or so after the music video was posted up, they posted up a, a, a studio-based video, uh, which is an acoustic version, which I guess is something that Mabel does for a lot of her songs. Um, and I actually, to be honest, kind of liked that version more. And I did link you to this one. What did you think of it? It's adorable. There's something about the acoustic version that just really feels very sweet and charming, and I like it a lot. I it's hard to tell if I like it necessarily better, but I definitely like it equally. Yeah, having the uh, the two versions there, you know, one serves as sort of a counterpoint for the other. The, yeah. the phrase I put down, actually, for the acoustic version was lullaby-ish, uh, which is kind of an interesting choice of words that I did somewhat, I guess, intentionally. Uh, since this is, at least based on the video, going for a Jigglypuff type of song, we kind of got to compare it to the other, like, official... Well, I don't know of any Japanese Jigglypuff-based uh, songs out there, which seems kind of strange, other than obviously the song that sings in the anime, but I mean, like, actual produced songs. Here on the the Western side, we have two of them, really. There's Lullaby by Williford uh, <laughs> slash Manda. Um, uh, and then there's also Song of Jigglypuff from the Totally Pokemon slash Pokemon 3 soundtrack. Um, how do you think this song kind of compares to to both of those? Bearing in mind that the the, the Willow Ford one on the first movie soundtrack was not, as far as I know, written as a Pokemon song, but obviously the the, the song of Jigglypuff was. I don't know, Anne. What's kind of your answer there? Um, I, it's hard to compare them. I mean, I think if we're talking about which ones I like personally, I'm more for Take It Home. Hard to say because the song of Jigglypuff and Lullaby both really seemed to really fit that character of Jigglypuff that we've established in the anime. They are hard to compare, but I know which one I want to listen to the most, and that is Take It Home. Well, well, Take It Home, it's hardly, I wouldn't have chosen it most likely if I thought it was bad or anything, but <laughs> I, I, th- I think Lullaby, despite, like I said, to the best of my knowledge, not being written uh, for the for the movie or for the character, I think I, I enjoy listening to it a fair bit. Uh, we'll be talking about it presumably in an upcoming discussion um, because I have some, some things I want to say about uh, Lullaby more specifically, but moving on, the next one... On Anne's side is Believing uh, by Little Boat or Little Yachi. Um, uh, why don't you go into that a little bit? Because it sounds like there's some odd biographical info. Yeah, so this um, this uh, American rapper, his original name is Miles Parks McCollum. But yeah, he's gone by Little Yachi, Little Boat, also Phase Boat or Faze Boat, however... I'm not quite sure how he pronounces that. Um, but yeah, he's a, a rapper from Atlanta, Georgia. Kind of started really coming into um, recognition in 2015 with a debut album, Summer Songs, and um, released a debut mixtape, Lil Boat, in uh, 2016. And um, yeah, he's kind of kind of just been slowly working up with his career, um, released a, a I think four studio albums now has been nominated for a Grammy for his uh, work on a song called Broccoli. And he's kind of both um, 
criticized and praised for kind of having a sort of weird and unique individuality and kind of leaning into it rather than, um, you know, fighting against and try to be like the cool, tough guy rapper all the time and says he's been a Pokemon fan for a while, which might be a bit of how he got involved in this. Yeah, go, going into the song itself, I put down a, a genre of like electro pop um, with obviously a lot of vocoder or, or autotune, as it's sometimes called, uh, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume, Anne, you, you find that's an, ex- an accurate assessment of the genre of this one. Yeah, like it's kind of a, a genre of music that gets a lot of different names, and I'm not always sure where the crossover is. I think he calls it bubblegum trap. Like, but yeah, it's kind of like that trap, pop, rap, urban, lots of influences in here and, and just very fun. I, the second that heavily processed vocals hit me, I knew I was going to prick this song. So I have a weakness. So. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the lyrical content then. I I will say that, well, this is not my favorite song on the album by any stretch, um, it, I do enjoy the hook, uh, you know, once you're breathing, don't stop believing. I do like that a lot. Um, do you have some, some thoughts of your own, Anne? Yeah, so this is kind of, this song hit me with some very big Detective Pikachu vibes. Um, a lot of songs on this album did, like, more so than Secrets of the Jungle, which kind of surprised me. But there's something about this track that... Lyrically, it's not necessarily the most connected to Pokemon. It does have kind of a little bridge break where they kind of list some of the names of Pokemon and stuff. But there's something about it that just kind of suggests that, like, there are people living in the Pokemon world who are not necessarily all, quote, trainers. There's something about, like, this is the type of music you'd hear on the radio. Were you living in, like, the Detective Pikachu world or something? So I kind of picked it for that reason because it... It sounds like not necessarily like a song that was written for a Pokemon release event, but a song that was written within the world of Pokemon itself, and that's kind of an interesting quality to me. Yeah, yeah that 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 makes it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, it makes some sense. I mean, first of all, yeah, obviously, <laughs> you know, I'm well. I'm sure that some of the folks here got some hints on Secrets of the Jungle, particularly Sin, since she did a couple songs that were specifically in there. Obviously, they would all have had a chance to see Detective Pikachu by now, um, and I'm sure that was a big deal for a lot of them. But going into the, the kind of lyrics there, I, this is—I mean, it's kind of a, a love song of sorts, which you know, it obviously can be taken with the Pokemon references as, as extraordinarily cheesy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In there, you know, I think he's comparing like his girlfriend to Jigglypuff that she's as, she's as cute as that and. Uh, you know, his heart is burning like a like the Charmander line or something like that is is in there. Now, granted, Pokemon came out when I was a little further into all the way pretty much into high school, so maybe this makes a little more sense to someone who's a little bit younger and you know has has feelings for the Pokemon franchise that are more intertwined with, I guess, early puberty or something like that. Those are just some kind of some thoughts there. So I don't know, Anne, if you have a reaction, but. Um, well, that's actually an interesting thing that you said because um, I've read some of the like critical responses to Little Yad- Yadi's uh, work, and like one of the criticisms slash praises of his um, debut mixtape is like he kind of has kind of all the rawness and unpolishedness um, and kind of almost even cheesiness and angst of like a teenager going through the world like and in that sense relates very well to young people and again it was both a praise and a criticism but it's kind of seeing this song in that light yeah like there's kind of a youthfulness and a a cheesy high school like my girlfriend's as cute as jigglypuff sense to it so i don't know it's an interesting way to look at it from that lens yeah so i I can certainly see both perspectives as it relates to this song um not that I mean we've had I think more more Pokemon music uh, from the female perspective I guess you know obviously we have like Misty song and then on the flip side he drives me crazy kind of from there from that perspective I mean we have had male singers doing love songs in Pokemon particularly the first movie has a number of like boy band type stuff that that treads that area 
Um, so I guess this is kind of going for that. I don't hate it or anything. I, I kind of would have preferred, mm-hmm. though, if it were more of a, um, you know, when, when you have that hook, you know, don't stop believing to have more, have it be more of a, you know, fight for what you believe in, make the world a better place. I think that was kind of the song I wanted to go based on the hook there mm-hmm. um, rather than, than what it was. So that's probably one reason I'm not as in, impressed or enthralled by it. That makes sense. As far as I can tell, Happy Together's use in the first Detective Pikachu trailer wasn't because of any super-specific lyrical parallel with the plot of the film. Sure, Tim whips out his phone a few times, and occasionally acts a little crazy, but really it seems that the song was meant to highlight the buddy cop aspect of the movie. And perhaps this suggests that Tim and Detective Pikachu might have wound up with each other for a reason. Musically, the song's melancholic verses and incredibly bright chorus parallel the film's darker but not too dark tone, and to a certain extent the personalities of the main characters, with Tim being more low-key and Detective Pikachu more energetic. With all that said, however, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that this isn't the first time the song has come into Pokémon's orbit. Fans of the original N64 Smash Brothers will remember that ads for that game also use this tune, adding another level of nostalgia to the mix. Anyway, do you have your own thoughts on any of this? Feel free to let us know. Thanks. All right, well, let's go to my second pick, which is Got Em by Vince Staples. So let's see, Vince, as far as his history, he's originally from the Los Angeles area. Uh, just to briefly get into the lyric song, he mentions that he's a, a North Side youth. Um, he was born in Compton and eventually moved out to Long Beach. So I don't know when he says that, if he means he's from the north side of Long Beach or the north side of the L.A. Metro or something like that. I'm not sure exactly how all that uh, does fit together. He is actually kind of honest that he used to be involved when he was growing up in, in actually some of the gangs in that area and sort of talks about how that was, wasn't a great decision on his part, even though he didn't get in too much trouble it was not really a positive experience for him just want to kind of point that out and just to sort of lead into the song discussion this is actually a bit of a darker song um not only on this album but just pokemon in general and not in a way that we see with like you know the team rocket song from to be a master or do you really want to play from totally pokemon or perhaps some of the more played for laughs uh, rap Pokemon songs that fans sometimes have done on the internet and stuff like that. This is not that. It's really not the darkest thing it could be. There's no, like, hard swearing or even really light swearing in there. But it, it is a, a, a rap song with sort of an ethereal kind of background. And what was your kind of reaction to just the overall sound of this song? Yeah, I immediately compared it kind of to the first the first movie album and how like the music in that album kind of reflect what was popular at the time and this song I think more than any of them kind of reflects um, just the way the styles of music have changed over the last say 25 years and I kind of yeah it is definitely a bit darker but I kind of like that in a quote clean way like this song can come from a very different place emotionally than maybe something like Mabel's Take It Home and yet still be enjoyable and still be kind of interesting and poignant and fun. Um, like that first line about having turning the hat to the back, I was like, oh, yes, this, <laughs> this is what I want. But yeah, there's a lot of wordplay. There's a lot of double meanings. There's a lot of just really interesting, interesting lyrics. I love looking through them and reading them, and this I like this song a lot. <laughs> you know, there's a lot crammed in there. Well, I'm not sure this is the the one I like the most musically. This is probably the biggest, like, thinkiest song on the album for me. Lots of Pokemon references in there. Some of them uh, more direct than others. You know, there's one part where he says, you know, this is how the you know how the team rock, uh, which is obviously <laughs> a play on Team Rocket. And there's actual Pokemon names. You might not notice them right at the beginning, uh, near the beginning, you know, Reddit's Arbok, these is Arblocks, which that last part there actually has a bit of a m- multiple meaning, not just being sort of in the uh, an urban yeah. environment, but also could be taken as a little bit of a reference to Pokemon Go, if you want to stretch it a little bit there. Um, yeah, that it, section is like triple decker wordplay going on there. I oh, I love it so much. He he really did cram a whole lot in there. You can kind of tell not to belittle some of the other artists, 
But uh, three of the artists, Sin and Mabel and Vince, all did interviews um, about their experience with Pokemon. And you can kind of tell, not to say that, you know, Mabel and Sin aren't true fans because they seem to connect with Pokemon on a more emotional, feely level, whereas um, Vince seemed to have more of uh, a direct knowledge of a lot of the uh, the names and places and stuff in there, which I think uh, was more what the, the hardcore fans wanted to kind of hear with that. But he definitely, you know, did more of, of that in there. One thing we should probably mention is, you know, there are some seemingly some jungle references. Watch out for the, you know, snakes and the rats or whatever it is in the grass and stuff like that. Which, you know, I, I just want to briefly mention, uh, can be a little problematic if we're connecting the secrets of the jungle because that's, you know, that's based on Tarzan, which is a. Uh, I did check that that is based in Africa, and then the and main Pokemon character is in fact a monkey. Which, you know, we have an African American artist, which can be a little dicey there. I did kind of want to. Mention that I don't think Vince really, you know, it, it's not horribly distasteful, I don't think. Uh, but you want to always want to be careful around that territory, and I wanted to just mention it briefly. In any case, that was sort of the parallel I drew to that mo- specific movie there. Now, obviously, we were kind of talking about the urban jungle as well in this this song. I don't know, Anne, any, any ideas about that? or I, I definitely felt more urban jungle. Again, this kind of... Um, evoked more detective Pikachu vibes in me than Secrets of the Jungle. I mean, I, d- I definitely can see the possibility that some of, you know, knowing that Secrets of the Jungle was coming out did maybe influence some of the writing. Um, but yeah, going back to the lyrics and everything, like just, I really appreciate that they had rappers on this album as well as, you know, upbeat pop and as you say, more, you know, lyrical feeling music, all the things, just because a really good rapper like adds something different musically to the lyrics than you know other types of musical artists have, and I'm very glad that we got like you know a wide spectrum of musical styles because of that. Yeah, and, and I guess one particular line I wanted to mention as far as "Secret to the Jungle." I mean, this is probably a coincidence. The more I think about it, but um, one of the darker lines that people always point out is you know lost a few friends to the streets, which in some cases mean those means those folks passed away. Um, and stuff like that. It sort of depends on what exactly you mean there. But, spoiler for the movie, there is a, a scene in there where obviously it takes place in a jungle and not not an urban environment, but it, there is a vehicle-based death scene in Secrets of the Jungle, which, you know, makes that line hit a little bit different once I had seen the movie. Um, whether that was intentional or not, I'm, I'm leaning towards maybe, probably not, but it's just one of those things that sort of connects there. I don't know. Anne, did you have any thoughts on that? Just that when we were talking about Secrets of the Jungle, like, there were a lot of dark and sad things in that movie. People people died, and people seemed to be going through an emotional crisis, and there was there was a lot going on. And again, like... It's just interesting that the song, intentional or not, can kind of reflect that you know, sometimes sad things happen in the Pokemon world. And then I guess one more lyrical thing I wanted to mention. This song is called Gotham, but the phrase that's used repeatedly in the lyrics of the song is Ketchum. So that that was a little bit of a, of a, a non-alignment or whatever you want to say there, you know, misalignment, perhaps. I'm not sure if they chose that or if there was an alternate, like, first title for it. I don't know. Did you notice that, Anne, or? I did. I'm still kind of thinking about what the impetus for that might be. I'd, I'd love to hear him talk about if there was a particular reason for that choice um, and if it's a creative one. I'm still you know, armchair analyzing the song, so I haven't quite figured out a reason for that I can think of yet. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of note that as a bit of an odd disparity, because I think as a result, the title of this song, I don't know that it's ever actually said in the song because of that that little mismatch or whatever. All right, well, let's go on to Anne's third pick, which is Reconnect by uh, Yaffle. Uh, th- th- this artist, uh, I did look a little bit myself. This, I think, is the one of the ones that does not have uh, a Wikipedia page, which made things a little bit more difficult, I think. And I, actually, there are a couple of backing artists on this one as well, including like a Japanese one, if I remember correctly. Uh, Anne, can you quickly summarize okay. all of that? 
Okay, so Yaffle is actually a um, so is actually an artist called Yoki Kojima. So that's where you got your Japanese influence. He is a kind of solo artist based in Japan um, and producer, rapper. He's worked with a number of Japanese artists, kind of starting his own label, and um, has worked with such artists as Shibasaki Ko. Even uh, started playing piano at age six got involved with brass and concert bands in high school and and seems to have carried on with music ever since. Um, Since 2010 has been kind of producing and releasing both solo and for other artists. So yeah, he does have um, kind of a Wikipedia page and and, and Instagram, all the usual things, but it's all in Japanese. So that is going to make searching for his information a little more difficult. But it looks like he speaks English, so if you are able to connect with him at any point, listeners out there, I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to you. Yeah, I, I do appreciate the sort of diversity of artists on this this project. Um, we'll talk more about that when we go over our, our general uh, opinions on it. But And let's talk about this song itself. It, it One thing I noticed about it, it's very busy. Um, there's <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. There's some game sound effects. There's what I kind of have called... Uh, the electric kazoo. I'm not sure if that's exactly what they were going on, uh, going for. But why don't you kind of describe what's actually in the song there? Okay, so yeah, busy is the right word. I I did love the sampling of like original game play sounds. I love the interspersing of English and Japanese in here. I there's a lot of this song that is. Like, like the general theme is kind of, again, that, you know, we're on a challenge and we're going to rise to the top and cherish every moment along the way. And, you know, hardships coming, but, you know, friendship and loyalty and love will get us through. But it is just peppered, like, from top to bottom with references to Pokemon game mechanics. They talk about your HP going down and fog and your regions and riding waves and surfing. And it's just jam-packed full of Pokemon references. Like, there's no rare candy in real life. <laughs> and, uh, it's, this is a busy song lyrically. Is it a busy song musically? There's a lot of samples and a lot of um, bizarre instruments and, and um, electronic noises, and it's, it is wild. Yeah, as you might have guessed from some of my earlier impressions, I don't hate this song, although if I had a kid and this was their favorite one they listened to on repeat, maybe I would. Um... <laughs> This was a little bit busier than I, I kind of would like. I don't mind having game sound effects. I think that stuff is actually pretty good. I think some of the noisier instruments, though, that they use, like, I don't know if it's really a kazoo or some other distortion type effect, but <laughs> that was a, a bit much for me in places. So, But I did certainly appreciate a lot of the game references and this having a lot of game content. I'm not sure. This is one of the ones you can only get on the digital edition. I don't know if that was a choice made based on... A, a rights issue or stuff like that, or how that sort of fell, I guess, to the sort of the bottom of the totem pole or whatever you want to call it, um, and and got cut from the uh, things there. But uh, definitely an interesting one. Anything else you kind of wanted to share about it? Kind of, I agree with you. Like, it's definitely not one you want to listen to on loop a lot, unless this is really your jam. But I do, like, again, there's just something about it that is reminds me of that kind of audacity that I love the original series for when there's just so much and not all of it works 100% of the time but like there's a lot of feeling and love for this franchise just poured into it and that's what I get out of this song like there's a lot of people just pouring the love they have for Pokemon and the talents that they have and the things they do best into this song and they made something really fun. And for that reason, I do love this song. But I, as you say, I may not listen to it on repeat all the time. <laughs> Give it a break now and then. John Barton, one of the folks in our chat room here, mentions, I, lo- I love the Stand By Me call out. And I'm not sure, is there a lyric about that? I know that that's displayed in the music video from last year, the... Um, Bump of Chicken song, or, or whatever that's called there. 
Yeah, okay. So that's he, he was thinking of something else. That's not actually part of Pokemon 25. At some point, by the way, speaking of all the music video stuff that's been done for this, I do want to do a, a, an episode where we talk about official Pokemon music videos for various songs. Uh, yeah, John just sort of admitted there. That's okay, John. Um, that is one that eventually I do want to want to talk about. Stand by me is as referenced in that video and actually in some of the stuff, one of the things on TV and the original Red and Blue games. But yeah, <laughs> but that's okay, John. We all make mistakes. Well, in that case, why don't we go on to my third pick, which is Wonderful by Sin. Now, Sin, we did talk a fair bit about her in our Secrets of the Jungle discussion since she does the opening and ending theme songs in the Western or the English version of that. Just to briefly summarize, she's originally from Michigan, sort of was mentored by Katy Perry and stuff like that. And so this is yet another song by her. It was released around the same time as some of the other stuff over the summer, as far as uh, when it first came out. This one has a bit, a fair bit of Indian influence kind of as well. It's got a theremin, if I remember correctly, and it has very... um, Ethereal, but in a different way than one of the other songs where I used that word. This one has a very atmospheric sound and stuff like that. And what was your sort of reaction there? Oh, goodness. This is just such a beautiful song. Like, I like the ethereal quality to it, but it still kind of has a very catchy and and pop-esque melody to it. And the lyrics are beautiful. I Oh, this is a beautiful song, and it... it Definitely, I can see ties to Secrets of the Jungle with this song. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, The first thing I wanted to point out, though, is there's uh, a lot of lines that have very quick uh, stopping things, you know. Uh, Fish is this one in the blue, and there's a stop, and then she usually has like a one-word expression that goes after that. Um, And there's a lot of that in this song. Is that I assume that that's definitely struck you as um, I don't know if important is the right word, more like uh, a major part. I'm not sure exactly what word I want to use there, but I I assume you noticed that. Yeah, yeah, no, I really like the rhythm of of these lyrics. Yeah, definitely attention grabbing, which I assume was part of the point there, as if someone you know is going through an experience like that. And talking about Secrets of the Jungle, I think that this song is, but like, I don't know if this song was at one point intended for use in the movie at some point, and it just wasn't needed or got bumped somehow or something like that. Like, like we've theorized about some, one of the other songs on here, Art Show by Tierra Whack, might have been intended for the My New Friends scene in, in Secrets of the Jungle, just given its duration and some of its content. This one seems to be about... Coco and Dada Zarud, if you certainly if you want to look at it that way, but just let me just list off a few of the things here. I feel it's either big and small or small and big. I think it might be small and big at the same time, um, which I think is an, an accurate depiction of sort of Coco's experience being, you know, smaller than his 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 dad, his adoptive dad, but also bigger than some of the Pokemon he deals with and stuff like that. It could also be for, you know. Uh, Dada Zarud, who is not the biggest, uh, you know, bigger than Coco, but not necessarily the biggest uh, Zarud in the in the in the group there. Fishes that swim in the blue. I know we go underwater in a few parts. I assume there's at least one fish there. Eggs hatch when they want to, which is a general game mechanic in Pokemon. But also there's the Celebi egg or whatever it is that's mentioned in there. That was one of the things that caught me when I heard this the first time. I knew there was like a, some eggs involved in the movie or something like that. Uh, even though it's a very ends up being like Celebi itself, a very minor part. Oh, laying in the green grass, which we do see the two of them like that, um, and a couple other things I'm probably forgetting here. But oh, oh, sometimes it hurts when it's true, which you know there are some hard truths that get put out in that movie, lost and found at the same time. You know. Uh, I have to figure either she saw the movie and this was written potentially for it. Um, and just wound up getting uh, kicked over to the album itself for some one reason or another. Or this is the, since we're a miracle, like the biggest thing there, you know, the biggest coincidence ever. I don't know. Anne, what are your kind of <laughs> kind of observations here? Definitely. Like, both lyrically and emotionally, like, this feels like a song that could have played under the credits of um, Secrets of the Jungle. And especially just since so many Pokemon movies 
have this like underlying subtext to them about like you know we are all connected as part of something that is bigger than any one of us and like we're connected to nature with the fish that swim and the stars and the sky and the moon and and i don't understand it and like everybody on this planet being alive at the same like these these are miracles pokemon has been preaching this gospel for a long time and like it feels very specific to secrets of the jungle but it also could fit a lot of Pokemon movies in that sense. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a case that if it wasn't made with that movie in mind, it's the biggest coincidence out there um, because it just fits so well, the the way you feel after you watch that movie and then the credits start playing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you go line by line in that there's just so many parallels. About the only one I can think of that doesn't quite work is like hanging out the window or something like that. I don't know if there's something like that in the movie, but it seems like virtually everything else has some sort of parallel, either with Coco or with Dada's Root or the two of them, or even with Ash and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. lost and found at the same time. I don't know if I mentioned that one yet, but yeah. that certainly fits in there. And I would love to know if this was intended that way or if other songs in here or if they nudged folks, you know, into having those jungle metaphors like in, in Katie's video where they have the, the tropical Hawaii setting, which I'm not sure if that's technically a jungle, but it is very, very similar. And sort of the um, some of the other stuff, like you mentioned Celebi in the Take It Home video and uh, the jungle allegories in Vince's uh, song and stuff. Uh, some of the other ones, not nearly as much that you can sort of draw there. They seem more, either more like more general Pokemon stuff there. But I, I we'll talk about this more in our summary. I, I, I find it very odd that this wasn't more explicitly tied in, in the marketing. Yeah, like go, knowing how big Pokemon is and how good they are at their branding game, like I'm always surprised at just how many coincidences there actually are with things like these but i'm sure i'm sure there was at least a little bit of a brand synergy going on and being like like executive notes like hey maybe include this or or like what about this thought to kind of add a little bit of of connectivity yeah so, so let's sort of talk about our overall opinions and observations about this this project and this album and and whatnot as you can probably tell through all of this that Anne seems to have uh, enjoyed the album a bit more than I did overall. I didn't really hate any part of it. But I think to summarize, there were a lot of songs I liked. Not many I would say I loved. I think my favorite song to listen to is is Wonderful by Sin. And like I mentioned, the, the most thinky one in there is Vince's um, Gotham song. Certainly, you know, does that there. So that was kind of my overall opinion there. And it sounds like, I don't know if you liked every song on this album, probably, uh, or loved every song on this album, but it sounds like you got more out of it than than uh, I did. And I'm not sure exactly why that would be. Well, yeah, as you say, I definitely didn't love every song. And there are some that I will definitely listen to more than others. And it will be interesting to see what I think of it, you know, 10, 20 years from now, in the same way that, you know, when the first movie album came out, I loved and appreciated a lot of it, even though I didn't necessarily love every song on the album. But my feelings towards each of those individual songs evolved and changed, sometimes even because of doing this podcast and talking about them. I I definitely appreciate a lot of the thought that went into this album. Like I say, I, I don't necessarily love a lot of rap music, but like I really appreciate good good lyrics. I appreciate good wordplay and Little Yachty's song like is really interesting and um Vince Gotham that song that's all that's fascinating to me. I love that there is a French track on this album. I love that there is a Spanish track on this album and just showcasing different artists from all around the globe. I I love that they have Japanese songs on here, but they're speaking in English. There's a lot of really interesting things going on here that I appreciate. Again, I don't necessarily love each song personally on an individual level all the time, and I will definitely listen to some of them a lot less as the years go by. But 
I think as a as a big 25th anniversary global event, this is a fun album and a lot of good came out of it, I think. Yeah, going back to some of the foreign language stuff you talked about, um, as much as I love the pop soundtracks of the first two movies, and I and to be quite honest, I do like them more than this particular one, even if you like throw in the Secrets of the Jungle EP. Um, we'll see how things change over time. I do have to appreciate that, although those first two movie pop soundtracks have pretty good female representation, with a few notable exceptions, they are both very white. I mean, there are some notable exceptions in there. There's, like, obviously Donna Summer from the second movie. Christina Aguilera is half Latina. And, you know, Elliot Sloan, the lead singer of Bless You Souls, is African-American. But other than that, there isn't a ton of non-white representation on those two albums versus um, this one, which has a more diverse thing, including some foreign language songs, which would, uh, on those soundtracks, would have been normally relegated to, like, the foreign overseas versions of those albums or stuff like that. Here you get them, and I, I kind of wish I knew more Spanish to talk more about, um, I think it's J Balvin's or whatever it is song there. And uh, Game Girl, Luan, the, the French song, which has a, a neat little music video there. Uh, I do definitely appreciate that. Now, one thing we had uh, mentioned earlier is that although this album came out a week after Secrets of the Jungle, and there's definitely at least one song that seems very closely patterned after it, and some other songs or slash music videos that have... Uh, some things that seem to be a little more than a coincidence um, in terms of jungle or other ties to the movie. This was not, as far as I can tell, really marketed as like, oh, the stuff from the EP that was from the motion picture, this is inspired by the motion picture. This is still pretty much just marketed as Pokemon 25. Now, they did have a Twitter Q&A session that people could submit questions to. I did submit the question. I noticed there's a lot of jungle references in here. Is that Was that intentional? And that wasn't one of the questions they picked. I'm not entirely surprised there. Um, I don't know that there's like some terrible bad blood within it or stuff like that, but there seems to have been some sort of conscious choice to not sort of promote this as an extension of the movie, even though that would probably push more copies that way. I don't know. Anne, what are your kind of uh, thoughts on that? Um. Well, my first thought is with, like, I'm looking at the timeline for everything that released as part of their Pokemon 25th rollout. Like, it's possible that they don't need it to, to roll. Like, the Secrets of the Jungle itself, I don't think, is actually part of that rollout. Or if it is, like, it's just one tiny little thing in the larger picture like i almost don't i think this album is celebrating so much more of pokemon than just secrets of the jungle so like i can see a reason to like they don't have to tie it to the movie it released just a week ago before this like we all know um whereas the album itself is about so much more than just that movie so i i can see why maybe they don't feel they need to push it so much I mean, you know, you look at the the second movie soundtrack in particular, there are songs that are definitely Pokemon songs, but don't have a super tight association to the plot or themes of the movie, like They Don't Understand and blah, blah, blah. And, mm -hmm. you know, to an extent, even stuff like Pokemon that um, mention a lot of Pokemon things in there, but aren't necessarily in. So it's not like this has never happened before. It just right. seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. And And one of the reasons I say that is, um, I did monitor sort of the like the Billboard singles and albums charts for some of this to see if any of this would chart. Um, Only Want to Be With You, the the version by Post Malone, did chart on the singles chart for about a week. Got some radio airplay. I know I've heard reports of that. Electric uh, didn't really uh, do too much. Um, and this album didn't even seem to, from what I could tell, make it onto the Billboard 200 albums chart. So I'm not saying it's a complete failure or anything. Some of it you got to keep in mind is a promotional expense on the Pokemon Company's part and and stuff. Um, I wouldn't say it's like if their if their hope was to have a, a something that would be regarded in the the vein of a To Be a Master or a Pokemon, uh, the first movie pop soundtrack, which sold, uh, you know, over 500,000 copies and 2 million copies in the U.S. respectively, 
Um, you know, the music industry obviously is very different than it was 20 years ago, but I'm not sure that this quite made it as as far there as they would like, although only time will really tell. Um, and before I go even further with that, uh, any thoughts on what I've said so far? Um, no, I think you've said it pretty well. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to, so sorry, I kind of still need to add to that, but one of the criticisms of this is that some folks wanted there to be even more Pokemon, explicit Pokemon references in the songs and stuff like that, rather than some of the more wink and nod type stuff that's in there and sort of the draw your own conclusions type of thing there and things like that. Um, you know, there, there's always a balance there. And you also have to keep in mind this this album wasn't just created for, you know, the hardcore Pokemon fans on social media. It was created to sort of serve a broader audience. And we can debate whether it did that, uh, how successful it was at it. Uh, in that regard, and I think that's something that will only be written with the passage of time. I guess the other thing I want to mention is, you know, do we want to see more stuff like this in the future? As far as, like, doing an album like this every year, it's probably not something we're going to see for a while, but I would be more interested in bringing in some of the more well-known artists for, like, the TV theme song and the movies and stuff like that, now that they've hopefully got some some better connections. Hopefully this did well enough that they keep doing some of that, like what they did with the, some of the English songs in, in the Western version of Secrets of the Jungle. That I would like to see more of. Not that the folks that they use for other stuff aren't talented, they are, but I think another aspect of this is seeing all these musicians contribute to this album gives a little bit of like social validation, mm-hmm. and I think that's an aspect of this too. And, and what are you, what's your opinion on all of that? Yeah, like as you say, I don't think seeing an album like this every year is a possibility or something necessarily that we want. But this was, as I say, like I got a lot of value out of this and it definitely um, broadened connections, as you say, within the music community and Pokemon, which can lead to um, more collaborations in the future, more opportunities for both new and famous artists to both contribute to Pokemon in the future. So yeah, I would like to see, um, more good things come of this. All right. Well, it will definitely be interesting to see what they do in the future. They have been doing a bit more as of late with stuff, and we'll see if that continues on. But um, we do have a fair bit of feedback to go through. First off, I wanted to bring something in from the uh, chat. It's a little bit of a pat ourselves on the back, but I figured I might as well bring it in. This is from John Barton. He, He did comment earlier and then realized he was thinking of the wrong music video. But he says, uh, can't uh, stay for long, has to do some college work, but wanted to thank us for it uh, and really appreciate your work. Yeah, I know we're kind of patting ourselves on the back here, but we definitely appreciate that. Um, Good luck with your college work. If you have any suggestions, of course, or comments, you can always uh, post a comment on this video or you can drop us an email at pokepress at gmail.com. We do accept thanks graciously as well, or at least we try to. So besides the one thing uh, that we got in the chat there, I also have a few things up here in a little bit of a PowerPoint. Uh, These are comments on Secrets of the Jungle discussion we did last month. This is from DDD033. So first off, there's another little pat on the back for us. I really appreciate you guys did this. Uh, Really enjoyed the movie and glad we can all geek out to this. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely a little bit of a deeper discussion than uh, I'm sure most folks are, are used to looking at. But I always try to keep in mind when we do this, you know, that there is an audience outside of us who watches these movies and benefits or appreciates the music, even if they don't look as deep into it as we do. But as far as DDD033's uh, opinion, the person says, uh, especially like the music to the movie and has been jamming to the new tunes for a bit, I asked for a little bit more specifics on that one. Seemed like uh, DDD preferred the uh, lyrical content of various songs in there. Now, he does mention sort of that Anne and I were not as impressed with the score. I think the sort of the way I've come to sort of express it is that I don't think it's ear-splitting or anything, but I think it is very clearly bringing up the rear of that movie uh, musically. In other words, I think it's the least impressive musical aspect of it. Uh, DDD uh, seems to think uh, the opinion there is that uh, maybe they just like it because it's Pokemon or stuff like that is how that person feels. I don't know. Anne, um, what are your kind of thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I definitely agree with the sentiment. Like, when you watch something over and over and over, you spend more time with it. You appreciate it more. You notice the little things it does well more. So, you know, if if Pokemon scores, like, kind of grow on you over time just because the movie you watch, you watch it over and over, like, that's absolutely valid. And it's it's possible that even though I don't particularly love the score aspect of this soundtrack, like, because this is a movie I, too, will probably watch a lot, I may, if, I may find it growing on me over time just because I have a personal attachment to it. That is possible, although, you know... <laughs> One one thing that co- sort of uh, stuck out to me in this this message that we got is just because it's Pokemon and part of me and sorry to the Shinji Miyazaki fans like I said I don't think his, his music is ear splitting or you know ruins the movie I just think it does like they could do better and something more interesting that would be more beneficial but the the phrase I sometimes want to use and also sometimes kind of don't is. Uh, un-Pokemon about it. And I don't t- A, that I don't like to use that because it sounds too personal, and B, because it sounds like a certain uh, a phrase that a certain other Wisconsinite uh, would have used back in the, uh, let's just say in the 1950s. I, I think what I, what I mean when I say that is really that I don't think it meshes well with the rest of the franchise's musical direction. I think it is sort of I don't know if beneath is the right word, but not not living up or, you know, meeting up to sort of where they go elsewhere in terms of thematic elements and stuff like that. Again, I don't think the music he's composed is terrible or anything, but it doesn't really register, move the needle for me either. Um, and not sure if you wanted to add anything. We've kind of discussed this to death, and since we don't know what the next movie will be, it's kind of hard to to say much else about it, but... Yeah, just just that, like, yeah, what you say makes sense, but, like, I, I definitely get that it's possible to like something, not necessarily because it has great merit, but because it's attached to a thing that you love mm. so much, and so therefore you love it just because it's Pokemon. Yeah, I kind of... Like, I get that. I kind of understand that, and, <laughs> and in case you didn't catch it... Uh, uh, our commenter here seems to think that they're going to be watching uh, Secrets of the Jungle a lot, which I, I think a lot of folks are. <laughs> One more thing from the same person there. One thing I had suggested, I, I didn't pin all the blame on Shinji Miyazaki. I thought another thing they could do to improve the score, at least from my perspective, would be to work in more international elements, up to and including perhaps, you know, when we're not in a pandemic, um, getting an orchestra from, you know, whatever country or region or city the movie is set in to uh, do the actual like orchestra performance and stuff like that, um, which I think would lend uh, like, like the thing I don't really like about the way the scores are done now is that they seem kind of very samey between the two versus like in the main games where you get uh, every city has a theme, although occasionally, especially in the earlier ones, they are shared between cities. And I think that the movies don't have as strong a sense of place as they could or should. And I think one way to address that without necessarily upsetting the entire process would be to, like I said, find an orchestra from whatever area or, or you know, city or whatever that they're doing with. Obviously, that takes some logistical planning and perhaps more money because um, of the travel and whatnot. But I think it would, would lend some more authenticity. And and and, and DDD's uh, comments here, it's sort of in the main line that that might be an interesting idea, uh, although it, the, this individual doesn't think it's super likely i don't know and any new thoughts on that idea i'll just i i think i said it when we discussed it originally like i'm super down for trying something new i think that could be a really interesting way to kind of put some new life into the music and the score and the execution thereof budgets budgets are the obstacle that all of us in entertainment find (laughs) Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, so we, we know basically nothing about the next movie. I have a few possible ideas, but that's, you know, like I said, it's hard to say where they're going next. Um, they did not do a movie this year in Japan, and I suspect some of that's the pandemic stretching their resources and whatnot. But, yeah, um, again, you know, any prior conversation, if you have thoughts on it, you can always post it there or drop us an email. Now, I do have one more comment here. This is kind of a brief one. 
So some of you may know that I occasionally will go out and write a parody of a song and rewrite it to be about Pokemon. It's been a while since I've done this. It's been a few years, but I would actually uh, had a few of them recorded for uh, and put up on my channel. And this is Sai uh, Ai, a parody of Bye 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 by NSYNC. So I guess conceivably, this is something that could have been done for the second movie if Weird Al had had that idea there. But uh, Terabyte put down, uh, this is ridiculous. And I had to ask, is this in a good way, a bad way, or both? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Sci-I-I is a Psyduck, a specifically Misty Psyduck-based parody of the song, where we go over sort of Misty's mixed emotions regarding Psyduck and sort of its, you know, its its qualities and shortcomings and all that stuff, all in the space of a, a three or four minute song. Um, again, I guess I'm patting myself on the back a little bit here, but, um, and I don't know, did I ever give you a chance? I, you've told me about this one and what, you, what your thoughts are. I'm not sure what, what, uh, what, if you wanted to add anything, but. Yeah, no, I remember this song. I, oh, it was very cute and fun and I'm so glad you got it recorded. So hopefully they mean it in a, the good way or at least both because <laughs> it was a good time. All right, well, that kind of does it for feedback for this episode. Remember, if you have a comment, you can always drop a comment on one of our videos. You can also find me on Twitter at PokePress, or you can drop me an email, pokepress at gmail.com. All right, well, before the movie <laughs> and other stuff kind of got dropped on us and some uh, scheduling things came up, we decided we wanted to do an episode on deconstructed Pokemon songs. And that is, uh, barring some other major earth-shattering event, that is what we're finally going to get to with our next discussion. So, as you may recall, our last actual game discussion was Pokemon Ranger for the DS, which was the last Gen 3 side game. Um, so in between generations, we do a special type of discussion, and our next one is Deconstructed Pokemon Songs. We're going to be sort of removing the vocals via software and other stuff. This is something you've been able to do for a while, like, tends to advance a little bit as time goes on. But in any case, we'll be listening to some more of the background elements and whatnot. Um, we've each picked out three songs, since we were kind of thinking we might be doing this a little bit earlier. Uh, the three I picked were Have Some Fun with the Funk by Aaron Carter. Uh, let's see. Lullaby by Manda slash Willa Ford. They are the same person. And the third one I picked is Blah 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 by Devotion to Music. And I forget, what were the three you picked out? Yeah, I picked um, Weird Al's Pokemon. I picked Unbeatable, uh, which is the eighth season opening theme. And then I picked Chisaki Mono by uh, Asuka Hayashi. Yeah, yeah. So that'll definitely be interesting. It's a topic, you know, we might do again at some point. But until then, Anne, thank you very much for being on. Thank you for having me. This has been Stephen Reich. All right, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. I had actually looked up when around the time this music video came out, I think it was right around Pokemon Go Fest weekend in, in July. I could be wrong about that. The Pokemon had just announced some leggings, and I looked, tried to compare them against the video to see if they were using the same thing. It doesn't look like it. That, <laughs> that would have been some pretty crazy synergy there. Uh, not unheard of or anything. But going back to the video itself, it's got dancers.